It's January the 31st, 2015, and this is 508, a show about Worcester. Today on the show, we're going to talk about journalism. Also, a little bit about sidewalks, hopefully a little bit more than that, about winter clothing. Today on the show, we have... Mark Henderson of... The Worcester Sun. Very nice. And today on the show, we have Brittany Durkin of Being a Private Citizen Now, formerly of Worcester Magazine. Guys, I'm really glad that both of you are on the show um, we want to talk about Worcester journalism at the top of the show, and I feel like a lot of things have happened in the last few months around Worcester journalism. Um, Brittany has left being the editor of Worcester Magazine. The Telegram and Gazette continues to be sold on a regular basis, and everyone fired. Um, Tom Kaywood, who was one of the great reporters on the Telegram and Gazette, recently left because he was just like, I think that they want you know, it's like a bad relationship. I feel like they're a lot less into this relationship than I am. Maybe I should move on and do something else. Um, I think about a great photo in Stuart Brand's book, How Buildings Learn, where it's re-photography. It's the same photo of a house in the woods that's been abandoned year after year. And year after year, it just sort of looks like here's a house in the woods and yeah, it's getting a little shabby, but whatever. And then one year, the windows break out. And then the next year, it looks substantially worse. And then the next year, it is on the ground that the house looks fine even as the inside of the house is rotting out and then one day a wind knocks it over and I sort of feel that way about Worcester journalism this this uh, this year. Um, I think not everybody has such a negative feeling as me about this, but that's where I am. Uh, anyway, I just want to sort of start the conversation framing it where I'm coming from like that. You, Brittany, are coming from being a uh, editor and a reporter and a photographer for a number of years in the city of Worcester. Mm -hmm. um, how did you get how did you get involved in uh, doing journalism in Worcester? I came from California mm -hmm. where I started as a staff photographer. That's what my degree was in straight out of undergrad. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew I loved journalism and I started writing a little bit when I was at the Daily Paper in California and I wanted to try a sort of different type of journalism and so when the opportunity came up she come back to New England where I am from um, and work at an alternative news weekly Worcester magazine I jumped on board mm -hmm. and but and then you were you have done you did different jobs there for a while I did I, I started as a photographer did a little bit of writing um, a few audio slideshows multimedia pieces um, and then became online editor mm -hmm. And I became interim editor when Doreen Manning, former editor, left and ended up enjoying what I was doing and went to the publisher at the time and said, I really like this. And he continued with interviews and then it was decided that I would stay in that position. So. And, and you were, how long were you the, the, the editor for? Uh, two and a half years. Wow, it's a long time. It is, but you look back and there are people I know that have you know, done it for much longer. Yeah, Worcester, Worcester Magazine had a, a time where there was a lot of turnover in the editors, um, and then like Doreen was the editor for, for a substantial amount of time, and then you were the editor for a substantial amount of time. Things kind of calmed down mm -hmm. on that front there, mm -hmm. um, and then after two and a half years, this is you decided to do something else. I did. Um, I'm going back to school, studying library and information science, mm -hmm. um, it, which actually is very, very similar to journalism in a lot of different ways. Okay. Um, I'm particularly interested in public libraries, mainly because 
I, I think it's really important to get people the information that they want, need, um, and that they can use on a daily basis to make their lives better. And I feel like that's what I tried to do and a lot of other people tried to do at Worcester Magazine. Um, and I think a lot of people in Worcester journalism are still trying to do um, through, through newspapers and or online media outlets. Um, and same thing with library science. You know, in, in a public library, you're trying to help people get the information that they want and need to make their lives better. What Do you have any advice that you give to people if they're like up-and-coming reporters in the city of Worcester and they're like, what did you learn? What do you know about, about this business in this town? <laughs> um, it can be very intimidating coming to Worcester. I grew up in Maine, so, um, you know, people in Worcester tend to think, okay, how long are you going to be here? Are you really committed to this city? Once you prove that, once you prove that you're interested in what they're doing and you want to take part in what they're doing, um, I think people will accept you and be more open to talking to you about what they're doing. And that I think that's key to being a journalist here because you, you want those stories. You need those stories. Let people know what's going on. How are people really thinking? Because in the end, I mean, just because you're a journalist, that doesn't mean that you're the be-all, end-all. You don't, you don't know exactly, you know, maybe what the city needs, but the people around you, I think, are key. They're the ones who know. You know, there was definitely a time, and maybe it's that time is still happening, but there's definitely a time where I remember Worcester Magazine seemed to be doing an excellent job of grooming young journalists, that you had people like Scott Zoback or Jeremy Shulkin coming in with basically no experience and having a very publicly awkward first few months where they were getting stuff wrong or just something about what they were doing was just not quite what it needed to be but then things just clicking and maybe part of it was building trust with people and maybe part of it was understanding a little bit more about western institutions and then really becoming people who were like breaking stories and like important parts of the media landscape in the city of Worcester. I think that's absolutely true and you said institutions um, I think that institutional knowledge in journalism is really, really, really important. And so holding on to those people, um, you know, the Jeremy Shulkin, he left, um, but, you know, there's there's a woman, Kim Vassar, who I have to give a little bit of a shout out to. She works in production. Um, you know, you're probably not gonna see her byline unless you look at who designed page one, um, but she's, she's fabulous and she's never been a reporter for Worcester Magazine, but her institutional knowledge of what stories you know the paper has done over the past decade has was so helpful to me as an editor and I think really helpful to reporters too and also you know she can give some perspective as to okay we did that story but you know as somebody who lives in the area I think a lot of things have changed so maybe it is time that we do this story again um, so e even as a designer that knowledge I think is really important I'm curious to know I bet your I bet your take on the near future of Worcester journalism is, is not as negative as mine <laughs> of a house falling down in the woods. Uh, what do you, I mean, what do you, uh, what do you see happening in the next few years or what does your heart tell you is going to happen in the next few years around here? Um, I think that people are, I think people are already starting to think about how do we, how do we get out of a slump that maybe we were, that we started to get in in 2008? Mm. Um, you know, economically, that, you know, people say, oh, money shouldn't matter, you know, especially in journalism, forget sales, for, you know, let's just do our job and do it right. But I think, I don't think there's anybody that can say in any aspect of life that money doesn't have some sort of impact on how you do things. 
Um, and, you know, everyone is still trying to figure out paywalls. You know, how, how do we make money on online advertising? How do we make money in print journalism? Um, I think that that will be figured out. It's probably still going to take some time. Um, and as that is, you know, as that's happening, I think that the good journalists that are still in this city will have more resources to thrive. And I, I think it's a really exciting time. You think, really? I'm I do. Glad, I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> I want to switch over to Mark here for a second. Mark, how you doing? Good. I'm well. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad you're on. The, I'm glad you're able to make time to be on the show today. Well, thank you. Um, could you? So you're doing a project called the Worcester Sun. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about your background in Worcester journalism and what this new project is? Sure. Um, I started writing, I think, uh, almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I started uh, writing out the Gold Clinton Daily Item. Uh, then started move. I moved to and worked for the Telegram and Gazette back when they were separate papers. Uh, I joined the staff as a copy editor in 1990 mm-hmm. um, and rose. Uh, in the sports department to the position of assistant sports editor. Then I moved to the dark side in the technology. I became the deputy managing editor for technology, mm-hmm. had that job for a few years, and then was uh, promoted to online director in 2009, mm-hmm. uh, where we instituted the first paywall. We did mobile. We did a whole bunch of other interest, uh, interesting stuff. And now, and so you have, speaking of institutional memory, a lot of, yeah. it's a lot of experience in a lot, in a lot of different positions, a lot of different parts of uh, local journalism. And yeah. what is the Worcester Sun? Uh, the Worcester Sun is an attempt to, um, is an attempt to try a new model, try something new. Um, we've seen what's happened. You know, the TNG has been sold what, four times in about 18 months. Uh, and each time, or some of those times, we've seen that there have been dramatic cutbacks, um, um, on staff and especially in the newsroom mm-hmm. um, and we looked at that and said that you know this is a problem for them but it's an opportunity for everybody else because uh, there's the business of journalism and then there's the journalism itself and there are some really interesting things going on in journalistically in Worcester uh, but the business of journalism as we see it's ending in a consolidation mode with you know uh, large companies buying uh, buying a bunch of property, centralizing functions, reducing staff, and all and all that sort of stuff, right. and that's their business model. But I I think that there's still a lot of opportunity with people who were our journalists and former journalists within the city to create something new. So we're basically trying to reset the value proposition of local news by saying, okay, we're gonna we're effectively starting over again. We're gonna do a paid Sunday newspaper. It's going to cost a dollar. Online will be a dollar. Uh, we're not going to, uh, you know, we're not going to write uh, TZ uh, social media headlines. We're not going to, you know, you won't believe what uh, City Manager Augustus said. You know, we're never <laughs> going to do that sort of stuff. We're just going to play it straight and present the news. Um, and we think that there's an opportunity now in the city for that type of an approach. That's interesting. So it's going to be so right now. You have a Kickstarter for this. You're yes, trying to, you're trying to raise one hundred and fifty thousand. One hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, very, it seems like a very ambitious goal. Uh, it is, but there are a lot of things that go into that. I mean, first of all, we're not going to be. You know, I'm not going to be drawing a salary during this. This is to grow the business, and mm-hmm. a lot of the costs of print. Uh, a lot of the costs uh, are tied in with when we print and distribute, especially right. early on, and then build the technology to support a function that says we're going to have digital subscribers and print subscribers and print advertisers and digital advertisers. And that sort of stuff takes uh, takes money to, to get up and get running. 
Um, so we think that, you know, we, when we sharpened our pencil and went back and said, yeah, you know, for 150,000, we can do this. We can create, start to create a new model, sustainable model, where at the end of the day, while we're focused on the business end of it, journalism is the North Star, mm-hmm. right? This is what it's all about. So um, we're, we're very excited and very excited about the, the response so far from the city. It's been just overwhelmingly positive. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah. so I mean, like, when I've been talking about this with people, the big question has been, I think, what would this do differently? Because yeah. I think that the, you know, the news market in Worcester is a competitive market and a yeah. shrinking and a shrinking market. So if somebody was going to come in and say, I have a new hobbyist project or a new nonprofit project, I would say that's interesting. When they say, I have a new you know, for-profit thing, something that's going to you know, work in the market, I would say, think to myself, how is that, that going to fit into the market? And it sounds like what you are proposing is something a little bit different in that it's a, a, a paid weekly paper, yeah. obviously with a website. Yes. Um, and we think, that there's, we think that there's an opportunity <clears throat> there uh, for a number of things. First of all, I don't think that there's a, a, a loss in the market. I think that there's still an appetite for that. And everybody I've talked to, both inside of journal, with media experience, without say, you know, people will do, people will respond to this. Uh, people will respond if this is good journalism. If that's what you're focusing on, those types of stories, um, it's they won't respond if it's something that you can find anywhere else. Now you've seen. Uh, on the journalistic side, you've seen a lot of interesting things. You've seen Mass Live come in. You've seen Go Local. You've seen, you know, obviously the the work that's been done, the great work that's been done at Worcester Magazine. You see a lot of interesting stuff, and you have a lot of that stuff. But if you go back on the day to day, what do you see? You see a lot of that, not so much from Worcester Magazine, but a lot from uh, you know Go Local and from uh, Mass Live and from Worcester. They're running. They're they're a lot of them are covering the same types of stories. We're not sure. going to. We we we're not going to do that because we can't do as good a job as they will do. But what we can do a good a job in is saying, okay, instead of trying to do four stories in one day, you're going to have. The, re- the reporter will have, you're going to have a week or two weeks. You, we want you to dig into this story, and we want the, we want this story to be the one that people talk about, not for just a day, but for a week. So I'm, I'm interested in a specific example. So a week like this, what would, what, you know, if the Worcester Sun had been up and running for six months at this point, sure. what, what would we have seen in the Worcester Sun this week? Well, what I wouldn't have, well, hopefully if we, if we do this the way I, we intend to do it, uh, whether it's talking about the snowstorm or whatever, that this is not. We're not going to be responding to events on the ground. We're going to be responding to civic, larger civic events that will take a little bit more time. So we're not going to have the turnaround time that a lot of people will have, and we're not going to apologize for that because these things take time and schedule the months of months and a, months ahead of time. Of these are the type of stories that we do. Uh, we've just had a, a tremendous blizzard. Uh, one thing I can guarantee is that we probably wouldn't be writing about the blizzard. That wouldn't mm. be our centerpiece. Would we have something about it? Sure. Is that going to be what we spend most of our resources covering? No. So, what kinds of stories? Whenever you say civic stories or or other we're talking kinds about of we're talking about what you know the the obviously the the homelessness issue is you know homeless you know around civic events homelessness education healthcare 
those types of stories. Um, you know, the, the really, the real impact of colleges, what's happening, uh, you know, how can we help bring, you know, is, if Worcester is a college town, how does we make it more of a college town? Those type of macro issues or meta issues as the, the, uh, the meta stories, uh, to take a step back and say, what does this mean? Um, because we think that what digital journalism does great is that it's made the who, what, when, and where pretty much ubiquitous. Uh, but we see that there's a lot less of the why journalism, a lot less people covering the why, and that's what we want to do. Hmm. I want to ask you a question about the rollout, just because people have asked me about this. And I yeah. guess as whenever you, you know, whenever somebody starts a business, I think people may ask some questions, but they don't necessarily feel entitled to answers. Sure. But, but whenever you have a Kickstarter, it's like you've published a little piece of your, like the littlest piece of your balance sheet. Yeah. So people were like, what else is, what else is, what else sure. is on there? Like, I want to know more if I'm going to if I'm going to ante Absolutely. up some money. And full disclosure, I gave a dollar. If you wonder Thank why, you if you wonder why this Kickstarter is not <laughs> an even an even multiple of five, it's because I gave a dollar. Um, like, why? Uh, I guess I'm going like like $150,000. Like, where does that go? What is the staff for this project look like long term? Yeah. You know, what, just what are the economics of this? Well, in the long term, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but in the sure. long term, do we have a five-year plan and a seven-year plan? Yeah, absolutely we do. But the big thing now is to, is, is to launch this as a consumer-friendly, user-friendly website, uh, paid website, and as a, a, a print newspaper. Because the, the key to us is being a full-fledged media company. And a full-fledged media company, if you stand back and look at it objectively, has to include print. Mm-hmm. It just does. Because that it uh, it affords a credibility that digital only doesn't have. We think, um, we think that it allows us to create a consumer revenue stream, which we think is important going forward. It's another alternative source of funding rather than just trying to go nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We think that there's a nonprofit model will work. We don't think that that works for us. Right. Uh, but w- what we do think is that if we came in and, our, you know, the journalism was our north, is our North Star. And if we look at the business saying, no, we're going to grow this business and we're going to reinvest everything that we do, then this is a, a digital and, and Sunday print is the best way to start. But yes, we, I don't want to get, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we do have a plan for additional, you know, additional areas of content to cover, additional digital products, digital, you know, digital services, you know, and, and a big move into the video space uh, because we think that that's important as well. Uh, but right now, this is the, the, you know, the, the 150, the ask was the 150,000 was let's start to create a company let's start to create a company that's based on solid journalism it's based locally where all the functions of a newspaper are 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 done locally uh and that has a pledge to reinvest in jobs and in additional uh news um, as we grow this seems like a really interesting case for kickstarter because obviously traditionally the way people would do something like, like this is they would either take a little bit of their savings start up a little something, grow it over a long period of time, or they would go to people who had money and say, you should buy in and we're going to have a big splash because you're going to give us whatever amount of money. This is sort of saying to the community of Worcester, like, all right, $150,000 is a lot of money. Doing a weekly newspaper is a big thing. Like, if people are interested enough to put in the money and, you know, you think basically pre-subscribing whenever you put money into the Kickstarter, if people are that interested and people are willing to ante up in the community, we are willing to 
yeah. to carry it forward. Well, first thing is I can tell you, and my wife will tell you that you know this is not just a Kickstarter. We're hitting our savings a, okay. a, a lot to do this because this is a big deal to get the technology right. Uh, we are not a technology company, but we understand we have to get the. I have to. I know that we have to get the technology right. What are you going to use as your CMS? I had to, I, it's actually, it, we're going to, being a technologist, and um, we're right now, it's looking like we're going to use, we won't use a full-blown CMS. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, but uh, the the theory is, I think you're right, part of this is, will the communities uh, do it? Will the, will the WISA community support it? The other universe we're trying to, to go after and make realize that this is possible is the community of former journalists. Mm -hmm. uh, those who, nationwide, who've been outsourced. We did a thing, I think it's, if we got $8 from every person whose newsroom position has been eliminated since 2004, that would more than meet the goal of $150,000. Mm -hmm. And we've been very transparent about we will share what we learn with anybody who wants to try this in a, a, another city. That's fantastic. <laughs> and, that's fantastic. and so that's what we're hoping. And then the third one, which I started to get a hint of yesterday, which we really didn't plan for, was we're getting a pretty good response from mid-career professionals who, if they haven't been downsized because things have been restructured or moved diff uh, to another place. Uh, the mid-career professionals who were worried about that, I actually got a couple of touching emails about that yesterday. Hmm. And I was very heartened by that, that this, that, that this argument of, you know, local, higher, the people are important, and, you know, the institutional memory is important, as Brittany pointed, pointed out. Um, all those things are important, and that, and that's it. Seems to be striking a nerve with those that community as well. Well, good luck. I hope it works out. Thank you. Um, somebody had somebody had written in saying that we should talk about sidewalk and sidewalk shoveling. At this point, I spent too much time this week shoveling sidewalks. I can't talk about it today. <laughs> but one thing we could talk about, Brittany Durgan, is dealing with the winter cold, because people in Worcester. A lot of people in Worcester totally know how to do it, and a lot of people in Worcester are late coming to New England, and they're walking around on a like a ten below day, wearing a t-shirt and no hat. And I just want to give them a hug, and help <laughs> them, and, and teach them something. Can, can can we give people some tips? <laughs> um, if you <clears throat> live in New England, it's inevitable that it's going to snow, and or it's going to be cold. Mm -hmm. So be prepared, definitely. Um, you know. People might say, well, I don't have this, or I don't have that. Prepare. You know it's coming. Um, cover your face. That's, that is... What do you use, like a scarf? Um, I actually have it right over here. Bring, let's, I, have, I also have gear. This is going to be okay. great. All right, great. We haven't had a, we haven't had a gear episode in a, in a while. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> definitely put the face mask or scarf or whatever on first. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, if I can... Pull your hair in or out, whatever. Put it up around your face. Also, put it up around your ears. And then, when you put your hat on, you can, you do it just right, the hat will go over the top of the face warmer so that you're completely covered. Your head is important. Your neck is important. Mm -hmm. You know, there's old wives' tales about how you lose 25% of your energy or something through your head. This is not true, but you still lose a huge amount of energy through your head. You do. You do. Here's what I want to show. I got two things here. This thing, people call this a snow cleat. You, you know about these? 
you know, I've gone to the ER from falling on the sidewalk in Worcester. Every year people go to the ER, and at some point you realize you just can't walk on ice and snow for that long. If you're a serious pedestrian, I think you got to buy these. Sometimes people have yak tracks. They have a little springy things. These these are called um, due north every day. They have these little spiky things, so you can't walk on a wooden floor with them. But you just pop these on your shoes, and you're good to go. You're never going to slip with these. And they cost you like 20 or 30 bucks which is a lot of money. And you know what? They fall off, they break, you lose them. You're going to have to buy a pair of these every year. Way better than breaking your arm. Way better than, you know, breaking your shoulder. The other thing I want to show you is, speaking of covering your face, is um, this, I just love this. This is, this, this is a, a, a fleece hoodie. You could hold this up. This is something, this is very eccentric. That More people need to wear this so it will be less eccentric. This is a Patagonia fleece hoodie. I wear a t-shirt every day, then I wear this, then I wear some other shirt over the top. This thing will zip up, covering your whole bottom of your face with this hoodie thing here. It's very thin. It has an extra long bottom so you can like tuck it in. It's got these little thumb loops. And people look at, you know, you, so you wear this and it like rides up on your wrist. And people will look at that and be like, are you pretending to be a mountain climber? Why are you doing that? There's a huge number of blood vessels that are right here on the surface of your wrist and also on your feet. And like, you gotta protect that area. And there's no way, you know, you're wearing a regular jacket, you're wearing regular mittens and gloves. This area is always gonna be open. You're always gonna get cold there. Don't let it happen, people. Don't let it happen. That's my suggestion. What, what you have any other thoughts about what people need to be doing to stay warm? Um, well, I, I've always been one to think that fashion should not come over function, mm -hmm. but um, because it does for some people, um, I think that women should take advantage that, uh, Yoga pants are really popular right now. Mm -hmm. um, I do not wear yoga pants by themselves out in public, but some people do. Um, I am wearing them right now underneath my jeans, and it also is popular now to wear LL Bean boots. And if you get the insulated ones, they're really warm. Or you can just wear really nice wool socks underneath. And so there you go, three popular things <clears throat> all put together so you can still look cool and be warm at the same time. Cover your head. Cover your hands, cover your feet. Don't slip on the ice. Yeah. Stay safe, people. It's going to snow again. It's going to be cold again. I know people keep their fingers crossed and they think this is the last time it's ever going to snow in Worcester. I predict that it's not. I predict it will snow again. Mm -hmm. You don't, don't, live your life, don't live your life that way, man. Well, guys, thanks for being on the show. I want to ask you one last question. Um, what are you excited about or interested in as far as Worcester journalism projects besides the Worcester Sun? Um, I think that there's an enormous opportunity for other, there's an enormous opportunity that's already being done with people writing, uh, having their own blogs, or in the case of your show, having their own show. And I think a lot of that could benefit from discoverability. Mm. I think that there's a lot of things out there because it is so many people doing so many interesting things out there. Uh, I'd like to be able to say that if there, we had, there was a project to start to at least have that type of discoverability uh, there would be a really interesting, would be a really interesting project. Brittany Durgan. Um, I don't know if this is something that will actually happen, but it's something that I hope happens. I think you mentioned uh, college, this is a college town. Yeah. You know, obviously I think most of us have seen the New York Times article about this being a college town. Um, there are obviously a lot of college students here, but I don't think that the resources, uh, whether it be the schools themselves or the students are being taken, taken advantage of. Um, I know for a fact there are projects being worked on at WPI, Worcester State, every single school. 
there's you know research or any any sort of project going on there that I think could make a great story um, in any newspaper and also building on um, students that maybe are interested in journalism and their connections that maybe you know a longtime journalist in a newsroom might not have so taking advantage of of those things I think could bring some insight into some of the more underground things that are going on in Worcester. Hmm. I have to say, the mo- thing I'm mostly excited about is my own projects. I don't expect anybody else to be excited about them. But, you know, doing 508, uh, doing Happiness Pony, uh, every week I write an email extra- explaining what's on the city council agenda. I remain enthused by these projects. Mass Live has been really impressive to me. Um, you know, Go Local Worcester and Mass Live, I think, have a similar kind of similar kind of demographic or similar kind of thing that they're kind of doing. But whereas Go Local never really seemed to do the hard news stuff with a lot of with a lot of passion or a lot of intensity, Mass Live really has like gone more the hard news route. And although they make missteps, they seem to be getting better month after month and they seem to be keeping at it month after month. And uh, boy, I really can imagine a year from now if they just keep this keep keep going this way that they're really gonna be something that people are talking about every day walking down the street. Anyway, we're out of time. Thanks, Thanks for being on the show, guys. Brittany Durgan. Thank you. Mark Anderson. I'm Michael Benedetti. If you inevitably have complaints about the show, you can email me at pieandcoffee at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching.